Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. We are proudly brought to you by Simple Rituals Skincare. I'm very honored to be sponsored by a product that I actually use and that's actually good. I They provide skincare products, but you can also use their moisturizer in your hair, which is what I do, and I love it. It makes your, my hair so smooth, and when I go to wash it the next day, it's not tangly. It feels very soft. I love it. So, uh, Angela, thanks for all the work that you do. Thank you for helping make Optimistically Depressed possible, and thank you for providing a really great product. All of my love goes out to you. Uh, so, everybody who's listening, first of all, thank you for listening. I love hearing from you. I've been getting some responses from some of you and it's just, it's awesome listening to some of your stories. It's awesome listening to how some of these podcasts have impacted you. I really believe in what I do with this. I think that it's very important that we share our stories because it helps create a community where we can know we're not alone, where we can have these struggles and we can be real about it and know that there's somebody else out there who's some, who's going through something similar or at least who understands that we struggle and who is rooting for you. I'm definitely here rooting for you. I love hearing stories. There's nothing that's going to freak me out too much. At least I don't think so. I haven't encountered anything so far. And I just love hearing, you know, what brought you to where you are now and what you've learned along the way. Uh, So if you want to share your story, please contact me through Instagram. You can find me at Optimistically Depressed. You can also contact me through Facebook or Twitter, all Optimistically Depressed. You can email me. It's optimisticallydepressed86 at gmail.com. Or you can also go to my website, optimisticallydepressed.com. You can message me through that. I I would love to hear from you. I'd love to be able to offer a platform where you can share your story. So what's going on with me? Um, Things have been a little rough in the McMullen household. Sean, my husband, uh, some of you would probably know him as the photographer, Sean D. McMullen, has been uh, having some issues with his hands and... So far, the doctors haven't been able to pinpoint what it is. They just swell up, the knuckles get red, and he can't move them, and he experiences a lot of pain from them. So last night, he woke up again from pain from whatever is going on, and he had to go to the hospital, and they ran more tests, still couldn't figure out what's going on, but they put his his one hand in a cast because they think that maybe making it so he can't move it for a little while will help the swelling go down and the pain go away. And they also gave him some anti-inflammatories. So this is obviously not a long-term solution. We still have the hopes that our doctor, who is just brilliant, will be able to figure out what's going on. And he's seeing her on Friday. But, you know, if you can send some good vibes and prayers our way, I mean, it would really be welcome We're starting to get, like, honestly, we're starting to get a little discouraged by it. And it's definitely wearing on us, you know, not getting sleep. And then we still have to run our household. You know, we have, we have, like, I have this and other projects that I'm working on. Sean has his job and other projects that he's working on. And then we have our kids. And so it's just a lot and has been a little challenging. I'm starting to feel a little worn down. I thought that I was doing pretty good today. 
I hit my breaking point this evening <laughs> where, you know, it's like everything is going great. You're like encountering one problem after the other and you're like, yeah, I'm solving all these problems. And then all of a sudden you hit like this one small problem and you're just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. But um, talking with you has helped me start to feel a little better. So thanks. And uh, now I want to introduce who I got to interview last week. Her name's Grace. She's, she's so kind and insightful and encouraging. Talking with her was just really heartwarming and helped me feel like I was on the right track. And she's very compassionate and she's a great listener. She helps you just kind of feel like, you know, the struggles that you are having are... Uh, pretty normal or uh, definitely ones that things that can be overcome and she has awesome advice on all these things so she shared some of her story with me and I am I just I can't wait for you to hear it so I'm gonna just get right to it thank you so much here is Grace I love that we're recording in your closet. Like, this is the best. <laughs> this is so something I would do. <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, maybe one day. One day we will have this studio. <laughs> That's perfect. But this will be, yeah, this will be one of those things that will have, like, a picture of us. I mean, Sean took Where a you started? of us, like, yeah, in the closet. And it's it will just be like this. In the closet, isn't that, like, a that totally <gasps> euphemism or something? Yeah. So crazy. That is really crazy. And there you go. It applies perfectly. Hilarious. So, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Good? Yeah. Um, feel stable for the first time in a long time. And I also feel, um, yeah, I guess just good right now. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? I'm on the mend. I'm starting to feel better. I Today was rough again, but... I think that's just kind of how the ball rolls sometimes. What does rough look like for you? Oh, okay. What does rough look like for me? Rough looks like um, I get angry. I like I feel really angry, and so I have to shut myself down because otherwise, I'll get uh, it'll come out at the kids. And so today I was very quiet. And, like, the kids were trying to talk to me about just, like, different things. Like, telling me jokes and, like, hey, mom, look over here. Hey, mom, look over here. Hey, mom, guess what? And it was just kind of like, okay, yes. And then it was just like, you know what? Mommy needs some time to herself right now. I need to just not be needed right now. Because, like, otherwise I'm, like, it just gets to the point where I'm kind of, like, I feel like I'm not quite in control of my reactions so I have to try to put as much of a buffer between myself and my kids so I took them to hop skip jump and they had a lot of fun I let them just play for as long as they wanted until they wanted to go home and I read and got inspired by things and I like went and I kind of like played with the kids a little bit like a very little bit but I made it pretty clear to them that it was kind of like 
this is the point of us being here is for you to go and you have so much fun and play and I'm just going to sit over here and have a little bit of time to myself. But hop, skip, jump was crammed with people. March break. Yep. So I first got there and I was just like, there's nowhere to sit. (laughs) 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 But, you know, it kind of thinned out and it was okay. And it helped improve my mood significantly. That's amazing how many steps you took, like, between realizing you were angry and how to cope. Like, the fact that you, like, were aware of it, that you knew how to label what you were feeling, and then you sorted it out, like, and made a call, like, had a call to action within yourself and did it. Like, you did all of that today without realizing it. You just made me feel absolutely fantastic about myself. Well, you should, because you did all that work. I wasn't here. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Hey, wow, thank you. You're welcome. Wow, okay, so now you you go. <laughs> what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> What's been, okay, so you said that you're doing, did you say you're doing better now? Yeah, so um, I had to change my meds a few weeks ago, and um, that was something I haven't done in, two years and it took me five medication changes before I found one that worked so to change my medication again was like terrifying and it took me two weeks to like level out but during those two weeks I had symptoms that I'd never had in years so like um splitting I don't know if you know what that is but basically you feel like two people and like it's not like schizophrenia or anything you just feel like you know you're grace with I'm grace with my mom, I'm grace with my dad, I'm grace with my brother, I'm grace at work, and they're all different. And I worked really hard to put all those people into, like, the integrated whole. And then when my meds changed, all of a sudden I was, you know, grace over here and grace over there. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I couldn't, like, integrate the two. So that happened. Then I had panic attacks, which I hadn't had in, like, years and years. And stuff that I was like, I can't believe that that was where I was at and worse but like was able to take control and like how much my medications helped me. So yeah, it was like, that was probably about four weeks ago. And like during those two weeks, I was, I just called in all the reinforcements. Like it was the first time that I had the tools because I had gone, like I've done the, I did act and dialectical behavioral therapy with my psychiatrist and stuff. And so like, for instance, I was really, really sick. So when your brain goes into like fight or flight mode, when you're really sick, it's kind of in shock. And so, like, my brain was tapped, and I went to, I want to die, like that. And so, like, one day you're like, oh, everything's gravy, and then the next day you're laying on your back in the tub, bawling, being like, I want to die. And I know I don't want to die, but that's just how I feel. Right. So, like, getting tools, like, um, my psychiatrist gives me a dice that has, like, six sides, and on each side you put a different tool. So, like, anchoring, labeling, um, silly song, whatever. And I said to my mom, okay, when I'm this sick, because, like, you can't, like you need support. I was like, this is, this is what I need. So just roll this and tell me to do whatever, whatever it says. And that's what I do. You don't have an option. And it took me so much less time to come out of that. And I I knew it was just because I was sick. I knew it was just because my brain was tapped, but it didn't make me feel that way any less. Right. Yeah. So it took me, you know, a few weeks to like sort that out. But knowing I had I was like, hey, mom, this is what I need. Hey, dad, this is what I need. Another thing that was really helpful was like I'd wake up and I'd be in a pure panic attack and I'd be bawling. And um, 
my dad was there because my mom was gone for the weekend. I went just to stay at my parents while I was struggling. And I woke up and I was like, hey, dad, hug me. And he was like, what? Like he didn't understand. But when you go to therapy and you learn like that actually boosts your oxytocin, that boosts your endorphins, like 20 seconds of a hug and it actually changes your demeanor. So after a hug and I look at him and he's like, "Okay, we're going for a walk. And then you get outside and you're you're walking, which is the exercise and you're in blue space and green space and it just changes everything. But I didn't have those tools before. So now that when I go into those episodes or have those issues, it's a completely different ballgame. Wow. That's amazing. So then what other kinds of tips and... It was like a long... I've been in therapy for six years. I feel like I have a toolbox now that is like... uh, um, It used to be like the size of a kit box. And now I feel like it's the size of like a 30-year-old carpenter. And I'm going to just continue to gain tools. But... I feel like, yeah, I just feel like my toolbox is way more full. And I think that it depends on the situation. It depends on the feelings, too. Like like when you were talking about anger, anger is such a common thing for females to, like, negate. Like, we're not allowed to be angry. Right. That's just a normal, that's, you know, our society and amongst ourselves. Like, if you're angry, like, what the hell's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Um and anger for me was something I didn't even know I existed in my body till I was like 23. Didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't know because like I wasn't ever allowed to be angry. That wasn't I cried a lot, but I thought I was sad. But, you know, when you realize like you're grieving the life you thought you were going to have, you're grieving the experience you wanted and you're angry about that. Mm-hmm. It gives you a whole different like. So I do things like um, my psychiatrist puts on and uh, or not her, but her. She has a new studio where she brings a trainer in and he does something called aggression expression. So they, it's all about big movements lead to big emotions. And it was like the ropes that you do in my CrossFit and um, wall sits and hitting a big ball and stuff. And man, two days later, you're still like, crap, like I, you get out and you realize you start processing things that you don't even realize, you know, you're processing or working out because that's just. That's just one of the tools that I have for anger now, but, you know. Really? Yeah. I need to try that. Every Tuesday night at 5, I'd love to take you. It's awesome. Whoa. Yeah, it was really sweet. There's only, like, five of us there, and during the time that you're doing those activities, they kind of ask. So it's like a circuit, and then they ask you, okay, how you feel? And then some people are like, fuck you. This is, I hate this. Like, blah, blah, <laughs> But, like, there are people that are so docile that you'd never know. But, I mean, every human, we're more of the similar than we are dissimilar. And when you're around people that are so quiet and so docile all the time, then all of a sudden they're angry. You're like, oh, this actually works. Like I found for me, it took a day after. Like I never, it took me a couple of years. Like I wouldn't recognize what my feelings were until days later. Now they're almost like instantaneous or within a few hours of an event happening. But for some people, they're still like three, five days. Like this thing happened that I don't really know how to deal with or process. So then they like, distract themselves and do other things in between and then at some time when they have quiet time all of a sudden everything comes up right yeah I find that for myself I um I'm like I say I'm a slow burn (laughs) because I'm like definitely not like an immediate reaction kind of person so something will happen and it can be really frustrating sometimes because it's like I will either be mistreated myself or I'll see somebody be mistreated and while I'm generally quicker to act when it's somebody else being mistreated, um, I still have situations where I'm just I get so frustrated and angry at myself because I am like like the next day or later that evening I'm just like 
oh, I should have done this. Like, that wasn't okay. Wait a minute. That wasn't okay. Like, I, in the situation, I'm always, like, justifying what's happening. Like, but years ago, it might have taken you even longer. Like, every time you're more present with it, it's going to come quicker. So, like, every time that you're frustrated with yourself, just be like, man, Ruth, it's okay that it took you this long to be frustrated. At least you're frustrated. Because how many times would you have not been frustrated or let that eat at you or, like, swept it under the rug? And that's what leads to depression and that's what leads to the symptomology like shutting your body down being like hey we're done pay attention you're at least paying attention wow okay thank you see i never looked at it that way either i okay okay i feel like we are going to be able to get into some really good stuff here yeah um wait can i ask what you were diagnosed with um borderline personality disorder so it's really, really common that there's like a crazy stigma around it um, because it's the thing that people think of when they think of the movie Psycho. It's what people think, you know, because they hear the word personality. So they think it's not real. They think it's just who you are. But what it is is essentially a dysregulation of emotion. So if bipolar is 72 hours or more of a manic or depressive episode, if you're an up or down. BPD is when you have like ups and downs within the same day or within a couple of hours. So I'd go from like 10, so like ecstatic, jumping off the moon, things were amazing to I want to die within like a couple of hours. So wow. you'd be seeing okay. me in the morning and think I'm great. Mm -hmm. Or you'd see me in the morning and think I was having the worst day ever. And then you'd see me in the afternoon and it was like the complete opposite. Okay. And that would that could happen like, you know, a couple times a day, a couple times an hour. Wow. Okay. So, that must have been so frustrating. Like frustrating to. Deal I just with. didn't know that's a, like I didn't know until like the fifth medication change. I was like, this is what regular humans feel like. I'm allowed to have control over this. I never had control. I never understood. So then, during the time that you were on medication that was working for you, that's what is that what helped you build up your toolbox? Well, that and I did a lot of psychotherapy. I had a psychiatrist. Again, I didn't start any of this journey till I was like 23, and I'm only 20. No, I was 22. And I'm 27 now. So in the last five, six years, like that's when things really like I put started putting words to things and understanding. But a friend of mine who her dad was a doctor, she looked at me. I was like clinical, clinically depressed for six months and didn't understand because like when you're living there, you don't really know. Yeah. And I was sleeping all the time and you had all these symptoms anyway. She said, you know, why don't you try this? And for some reason, I found the psychiatrist I did, who is one of the only psychiatrists in the country that uh, does positive psychiatry so focusing on how to improve yourself without like when you go to a psychiatrist it's like your life's a bullseye and they need to get right to the middle as quick as possible to identify the root of the cause mm -hmm. but some people will get to the root of the cause and they leave you with all that energy and you're like what am I going to do with this I find with positive psychiatry you get tools like power posing and things that you can help you overcome those emotions um and that's what really helped me, like, was the positive spin on things. Yeah. Wow, so, like, so I don't know how I got found her, but she, she, as soon as I met her, I knew she was going to change my life. And she has. I mean, she just gave me the tools to be able to do what I wanted to do and what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. So then, like, so one big thing that I can experience is overwhelming sadness. Mm -hmm. And, like... I exercise like I exercise every day and I um, like I have like a routine like I, I like to get up pretty early so that I can 
read for a couple hours before the kids wake up and like I journal and stuff like that too and I like like to have my coffee before they get up so I can actually like finish the cup when it's still hot and all those magical things right so I do those things and I know that doing those things help with dealing with um sadness and or other emotions like if I'm feeling anxious or angry or depressed and when um but when the kids get up that's where I can really struggle so sometimes I'm not even fully aware of how I'm feeling until I basically hit opposition the kids get up and they get like they can be pretty demanding <laughs> as you have are. three of them like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they outnumber you yep yeah they yeah good point and so it's like um it's like I will find myself on some days, not every day, and I think it's less often now than it used to be, but where I want to scream, like, just give me a minute. Like, can you not entertain yourself for one minute so I can just, like, do this one thing? Or, like, so I can sit for a minute. That would be fantastic. Leave me alone. And so I think that's a huge feeling of being overwhelmed. Well, I think as a mom and an entrepreneur and just all the wonderful things you are, that if you weren't overwhelmed, I'd be more concerned because when you are a caregiver and a partner, your job is to care about them. When you are a mom, it's your job to care about those those other humans. And as a person, it's also your job or as a human yourself, it's also your job to take care of yourself. But they take precedent over that. Mm-hmm. But one thing I've learned, and I mean, I don't have children, but I, I have many I have many mom friends with three kids and more. Okay. And they have to put on your oxygen mask before you put on theirs because, like, you already have such an awesome self-care routine. Like, you're already putting yourself first. And I think all you can do is be aware of, like, okay, I'm putting myself first, but I'm still frustrated and overwhelmed when that happens. So what other measures, what other proactive things can I do? Like, maybe you have... I don't know, like there's there's so many things, but if you had um, a visual chart and you said, you know what, it's this time, you know this time every day that they get to go into the chart and pick whatever things they're going to do. But huh. so that you guys have like a, like you and your kids make a plan so that that way you have your time and they have their time and they know we're having time together, but separately. Like there's ways that you can, like the biggest thing is to just be aware, like you're aware that you're frustrated and overwhelmed. That doesn't mean it's wrong. That doesn't mean it's unhealthy. And that doesn't mean you're failing as a mom or a partner or as a human. It's because you love them so much. It's because you care about them. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> lots of therapy, Ruth. Lots of therapy. <laughs> wow. I'm really loving this. Okay, so then uh, let's talk about overwhelming sadness because I kind of brought that up, but then I brushed right by it. Yeah. I, like, I know that, like, I've heard a lot of um, things about, like, getting outside helps with that. Uh, Do you have any other suggestions? Being present with it because usually if you're sad about something, it's for a reason. You're grieving something, whether you're grieving the loss or the change or whatever. I mean, if you don't, be present with it you're not learning from what it's where it's coming from and it doesn't mean it's easy right it really doesn't like you know people that go through depressive episodes 
it's because their body's like, hey, all of the stuff happened and I am tapped. Hmm. Usually like or, you know, there's something wrong with my brain chemistry and I need some support like you're doing too much for me to be able to keep up. Like it's never not for a reason. I like that, too. I've been reading a lot about allowing your emotions to like to, to sit with your emotions. Yeah. And not and not label them as good or bad. And and they're not like every, every emotion teaches you something. And like it's it's how you look at it. If if you pick like, you know, the sadness ruined my life. You know, a lot of people with bipolar, they feel like they're depressive or their mania ruin their life because they make all these impulsive decisions. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't make those impulsive decisions, you would never learn to be more balanced later. Like you have to struggle in order to succeed. It's oh, just. Okay, I, I cut you off. No, that's that's uh, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah, okay. You have to struggle in order to succeed. I mean, so many people, and and I didn't realize that I was always a person like, here you go, let me help you. You're hungry, I'll feed you. You need rest, like I'll offer it to you. But what if me doing that stops them from being able to teach themselves? Like if nobody had taught me the skills, like my parents didn't teach me. Like they're awesome people, but they never taught me emotional regulation. If I and I if I didn't learn those things, if I didn't learn to be challenged, to be opposed, to be mindful and just be present with my emotions, I would have never gotten better. That was not easy. That was the heart one of the hardest things you have to do. It's not easy to sit in a therapist's office and them tell you this is what's wrong with you or this is what you've you know, look at how your decisions have changed your life. That's not easy. But it's what made me a better person and what made me a stronger person and what allows me to see the human humanity in other people. You like, you're a very, um, attractive person. And I mean that like, uh, like, I mean, you are pretty like, energy wise, beautiful, but I also mean like, yeah, energy wise, like you're very, um, like it didn't take me very long after I met you to be like, I like her. The first time I met you, I said, Ruth, you were one of the most beautiful people I've ever been. You're a little tipsy, so like I don't know if you remember. But you, I was like, how are you so beautiful after three kids? And you looked at me, you're like, girl, postpartum, I run 5K every day. And I was like, we're going to be best friends. Like, that was our immediate conversation. We had never met each other, and that was how open we were. And I was like, yep. Yeah. That was... Yeah, I totally do remember. Yeah, like that was our immediate introduction. So like I felt the same way because I was like, I I could see that light in you. Like I feel like when you say attractive, like I see the light and I see it in you. And like that does not come from without struggle, without doing things like not just hard things, but awesome things. Because you like you have to have both of those things really to make yourself an integrated whole. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Because, like, I love um, feeling like something is just helping to bring more meaning, even more meaning to the struggles. Yeah. Because I know that, like, every everyone can everyone. relate to this. Yeah. The struggles. And to finally, like, say that these struggles aren't a negative thing is just so great. I was actually... Sorry. No, no. you go. I was just going to say, it's just how you look at it. Like, if you choose to only see the struggle, then you're only ever going to see struggle. If you choose to see the good, then you're making that choice. It's a choice like anything else. It's a choice whether or not you pick up an apple or a bag of chips. It's the same choice as if you look at something and say, that was good for me or that was bad for me. You have the option to say, it was bad, but it taught me this. 
And when I was um, being a counselor at camp, we did apples and onions with the kids every night. And I think I've just taken that into my life because, and I mean, I ask people, you know, what are your apples and onions? And they have all these onions. And I'm like, pick an apple. There has to be something in your day, whether it was a meal, somebody smiled at you. I don't care what it is, but there has to be something. And if you don't ask people, how are they ever going to know? Like, how are they ever going to see it if they don't see it? If you're in the depressive episode, you don't see anything good, Mm. but yet you're aware you're not taking it out on anybody like there's so many good things about feeling that and being aware of it because like it's just good thank you i mean yeah whether it was like yeah whether it was you or somebody else i would you know that's like i said all humans are more similar than dissimilar i think that's what people struggle with they see the it's very us and them yeah and we're so similar I really like that too. I love that, like in that statement, it just helps bring community. Yeah. I uh, like, so I was like in a terrible mood today when we got first got to hop, skip, jump, and I'm like looking around at all these parents and I'm just kind of like, why are you here? <laughs> and then, like, immediately after that thought, I was like, because you're here for the exact same reason that I'm here, <laughs> just looking for a break, like looking yeah. for some sanity. March break is difficult. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> and it's like you want to enjoy all this like time that you have with your kids. And then you can also like psych yourself out mm-hmm. because you're like, we're going to have games day and I'm going to take the kids out to all these places and we're going to have so much fun. And then um, it just you, you get tired quickly and the kids get grouchy. because Well, they if they're gone all much. day and the only time you've planned is your self-care time in the morning that's not really fair to you. Like you're not thinking of yourself. You're only thinking like March break. Cool. We're going to plan all these things, but you can plan things for you and them at the same time. I feel, I don't think that you're absolutely right. I think that that is definitely possible. And I think that a lot of reasons why people, I can speak specifically to mothers because I am one. Um, the reason why mothers wouldn't do that is because of mom guilt. You feel like you can't, can't take something that you would enjoy as well as your kids and that's ludicrous because how many kids want to do the same thing as you like how much would they love you to build a Fortnite thing on their game how much would you they love to go bicycle biking with you like if you invite them into your world it makes them feel as special as when you they invite you into theirs i you are so absolutely right um and that's something that i see like i see sean does it a lot with our kids like he is like he's really into photography and he brings the kids with him on most of his I'd say yeah probably most of his photography um excursions the like even though the kids aren't in his pictures they're like with him and now he's like he's getting he gave our daughter one of his old cameras wow yeah and so he's teaching her and helping her take photos and she's really passionate about it and he will give the boys like the camera and help them like if they point out something that they like then he'll help them like take a picture of it like kind of find their angle and that kind of thing it's really cool and I feel like um like quite honestly for the longest time I didn't really have something that was mine because I was a stay-at-home mom and that's something that I take a lot of pride in as you should it's a the biggest craziest (laughs) full-time job of you are in charge of three humans lives their happiness their sadness their eating their well-being that is like the biggest full-time job ever it's absolutely insane it's insane (laughs) 
insane. <laughs> like, just amazing because not only are you doing it, but you're doing it and doing it better every day. Like, some people don't do that, you know? They're they're happy with the status quo. That's not you. That's not Sean. That's not your family. So, like, what else can you ask for? Like, except to want to do better things every day or to like to want to better you know their lives that's that's all you can ask for as a parent you'll never be perfect so if you know you're doing better every day that's all you can do and it's amazing that you do that thank you so much back to i just wanted to say if sean's getting his the kids to do photography why aren't you interviewing them I actually interviewed zoe perfect you should do all of them i mean that's the plan yeah And it's funny because Owen, our youngest, our four-year-old, is like, the other night he was like, I want to do a podcast. He was just like, dude, we're going to make that happen. Because he sees that in you. Like, it's amazing. Oh. Look at the, you know, the kid president and stuff. He's only like seven and he does stuff that has changed the world. We use his stuff in sermons. We use it with our youth groups. Like, kids have so much insight and like so much... I don't want to say like purity, but they just don't see the darkness as much as we do. And like, they're going to learn it because that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But why not continue to like encourage that light? And like, if they're going to do a podcast, hell yeah, you're going to do a podcast. Like, we'll make that happen. You know, <laughs> that's all you can do. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And that's you know, amazing. Thank you. And I like... Thank you. What was it like interviewing Zoe? I didn't listen to it, but I'm, I'm interested to see what, like, how did it make you feel? What did you learn about your daughter? Like, it made me, it like, it made me feel so incredibly proud because she was so wise. She had insight that I, I don't think I had at that age. And because like she was just able to talk about anxiety like it was something that was separate from her and she could kind of she could look at it and be like yeah you can you can do these things it's not something that's in control of you and it's amazing because like her frontal lobe has not fully developed yet right like and she's figuring these things out and giving advice that people messaged me afterwards after listening to the podcast saying that was such great advice that she gave like what I'm trying to remember a specific piece of advice that she gave one was something to do with um, when you're feeling overwhelmed go lay down and do something that you enjoy and it was just like so that shows like (laughs) mindfulness that shows awareness labeling of the emotion like you the same way you were like I did all these things and I but you didn't like label it she's doing the exact same thing because you're doing the same thing she doesn't have the language maybe the psychoanalysis language for it but you've taught her the prop like process. She didn't learn that just from. She didn't do that herself. She learned that from you guys. Oh, that's crazy! Like how crazy! Like <laughs> you're modeling that behavior, and you didn't even know. Like she learned those things, you know, from you guys. That's crazy. That's amazing. Oh my goodness! I I'm gonna have you over weekly for. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Dr. Wilson. I wish I could take credit, but like I've just learned. I I wish I don't want to plug her so much, but she. Um, she has this quote on her wall and it's like, you've been begging for a stick. You've been thinking, or you're on the front lines and you've been dying this whole time and nobody did anything except look at you or like laugh at you or whatever. And it's like, all I did was give you a stick to like fight off the battle. I'd find the exact quote, but I just remember like being like, 
this was like when you, you realize it's not all your fault and it's yeah. you know and you just start getting the tools you're like oh my god yeah i'll find you the quote and i'll send it to you because it 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 changed my life and it's in the front of her office and everybody that I like when you go to group and you are with like the 70 year old man, the 60 year old mom, the 18 year old who just got out of high school. Like everybody has more. We t- we all have the same language. I love that. Yeah. You know, when I um, started medication for my depression, I felt ashamed. And but it was it was strange because I also just like I knew it was so I knew that it was necessary for me and it started working for me and it made all the difference and I felt mostly ashamed to tell my family because somehow like I I for some reason I felt like I was failing my family by going on medication that sucks yeah super mom that's what you wanted to be yeah. But the medication doesn't make you any less of a super mom. You're raising three humans and raising them well. And you're beautiful and active at the same time. Oh. That makes you a superhuman. How many mom? No, seriously. But how many moms let the TV raise their kid? Like, I'm, And it's no judgment. Like, I'm sure they have their own struggles and stuff. But there's healthy ways to raise a family and there's less healthy ways. And I think that, like, you have to give yourself kudos because no, nobody else is going to do it. Nobody's going to give you a pat on the back when you, you know, when they are all at you at once and you're not screaming at them. Mm-hmm. The only one that can give you kudos for that is you and you deserve it. Thank you. Mm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, boosting your ego. I know. You, can, you can keep going. Like, I, won't, <laughs> I won't stop you. <laughs> Yeah. So then, okay, let's talk a bit more about some of the stuff that you've been through. Because we've, I feel like I've been filling up all this time talking about. Because I've been asking questions. I like to learn more about other people. I really like, I I feel, Um, I'm just feeling a little bit like I'm not making, I'm not spreading the love. So I need to spread the love. I grew up in a really good family. I grew up out like in rural kind of eastern shore and um, I think I just went through what every other human goes through, you know, the ups and downs of preteens, the ups and downs of high school, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think I was definitely depressed in high school but didn't have the language or the, you know, um, my parents um, got me to see a psychologist when I was younger because okay. I had tried to commit suicide like I think it was 14. And at, even at that point I knew I didn't want to die but dying seemed better than the alternative. Like right. it was too hard. Yeah. So then that happened and then you get a little bit better and then you just kind of swing back and forth. But it wasn't, I finished um, my undergrad mm-hmm. and then I went into my master's like directly after mm-hmm. and a week before I graduated, I couldn't go to school anymore and I didn't know what was going on. Like I remember sitting outside of class and I called my friend and I was like, I can't go in. Like I cannot do this. I don't understand. Like I was uh, president of student nutrition services and I was running a health expo and I was doing all these things. Um, Sorry. At that point, I was president of student nutrition services um, doing health expo. I was going to school full time in my master's, which is very different than your undergrad because it's applying everything. So all the stuff you're doing isn't in classroom sitting and learning it's taking these things and going out into the community and doing like placements and that kind of stuff so it was a lot different um and I was also working full-time at the hospital like multiple positions so 
Wow. But never like there wasn't room for me. I didn't know like I was hosp- I was because I had a good work ethic. So I was work grace. I was good in school. So I was academic grace. And, you know, and I also had a boyfriend. Doug and I were together. So I was, you know, and that was when I really knew I was splitting. And it wasn't until, like I said, um, f- a week before I was supposed to graduate from my master's. I was like, I can't do this. And I left school and I started seeing a psychiatrist and went that was when I first started my f- like first round of medications and stuff. My first round of um, ISTDP, which is intensive short-term dynamic ther- psychotherapy. Um, so I did that. Um, and then I went back to finish my master's. And that felt like I didn't realize at the time. But now that I am where I am, I can't even believe that I went back and finished when I did and that I did it well. Like I didn't just finish with like C's or D's. I finished with good grades. I finished with good friends, good references. Like I really worked my ass off to do it. And then I finished my master's and um, yeah, so I'd been off a year and then I went back and did that. And then, um, then I had another, like I realized I was better but like things weren't still where they needed to be. Mm-hmm. So I took another little bit off um, and I started seeing my psychiatrist again. And then they re-diagnosed me because it was two years later and I still wasn't like stabilizing the way I should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that was when they diagnosed me with BPD. And then we started the new medication regime. So I went through five and found Trintelex. And I remember, um, I just remember being like, wow, like, you know, when you're so anxious that your head is so loud all the time or you're so depressed that all you hear is like the crappy voices. Mm-hmm. There is a period where that just kind of subsided a little bit. That's all. Like it wasn't like a big miraculous change. I just noticed that every day th- my head got less loud. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get you, you realize when you go to a psychiatrist and they tell you about all your childhood crap and and whatever I mean everybody has that Mm -hmm. but unless you actually learn from that like one thing I really had trouble with was boundaries Um, I would let everybody take all of my energy all of my power whether it was with BPD I typically have really unstable relationships because you're all or nothing so you're like best friends with somebody or you hate them Okay. Um, same with boyfriends. So you're like really in a relationship and then all of a sudden like you're getting married and whatever and then you're broken up. Like that's the way my life was for a long time. Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, when I got through my second round of therapy and really started applying the tools, so like one thing, a big thing was with me was with my family because mm-hmm. um, they're awesome. But again, they just didn't, they hadn't done the work yet to really understand what I was dealing with. Yeah, they have now like they've read lots of books and stuff and I still struggle with that a bit because I'll be like oh when you're black and white thinking or you're all nothing and I'm like first of all I don't think like that anymore Mm. second of all you could ask me how my brain is you don't need to like tell me what the book says because like right everybody's so different right um so anyway uh last year I had wrote them a letter and said until you guys do some work on your own this is our relationship you get dinner a month or a physical activity a month and that's it. And until we go to therapy together, we're not talking. And that just threw everybody for a loop. Yeah. And it was the best thing I ever did for myself. It was the first time that I ever looked at the people that loved me the most and that I loved the most and was like, you don't get to treat me like this anymore. Like when they get angry, they yell. When they get sad, they shut down or they unleash their frustrations. 
Um, my brother is a lot bigger than me and stronger than me and always has been, even though he's younger. Mm-hmm. And it comes with a lot of like victimizing whether or not, you know, that's what he would call it or whatever. But that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I just felt, OK, as an adult, I need to redefine these relationships. So like my parents showed up immediately. <laughs> they were there and they were like, we can't believe this would happen. And and it hurt them like they were really gutted. Mm-hmm. But I felt strong for the first time in my life. And I knew that doing that was better for me. And we have had stronger and healthier relationships ever since. Wow. Me and my brother haven't been able to find the same, like, um, find the same transitional space yet. But he's also three years younger than me. So I just, I feel like your brother's, like, it's the same way if, if it's your mom. Like, you're not listening really to them when you're in that space. You're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Whatever you think. So I'm just like, you know, he's an awesome, awesome dude and I love him a lot. And I think it'll just take some time until we can like sit down and be like, hey, you know, if you're going to say these things to me, I expect an apology or some sort of like rectification. Like when we can sit down and discuss like this isn't I'm not comfortable with this and we can't do that yet because we just get so heated. And like the person I get like I I've hit him before and I can't believe I've ever done that. That's like I'm against violence. Like I just, I can't even believe I did that. But it was in a moment where that was, I felt like that was my only option. Yeah. And I would never treat anybody like that. Like, and knowing that that's how I treated him, it's not a shock to me that he kind of meets me at the same place, but I'm ready to change that. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess that's, that's kind of my story. It's been a year since that all went down. Um, And I feel for the first time in my life that I'm the strongest, healthiest version of myself. Wow. But that is like biweekly psychology, you know, monthly psychiatrists, (laughs) medications, exercise, meditation pretty much every day. Relearning who I was with BPD, a big thing is um, loss of identity. And like you really don't because you're you're this person, you're this version of you with this and this version of you with this. So putting all that together was really hard. Like what were my like I went to school for nutrition for six years and yet I work in palliative care. Mm. And it's just such like you're focusing on living and then you're focusing on dying. And yet I realized there's a very small population of people that can work with death on a regular basis. And I'm one of those people. Cause I had so many people die in my life when I was younger, like grandmothers, you know, some people don't even know their grandparents. And I had the opportunity to not only just meet, but know them mm-hmm. live with them. Like my grandmother lived with me until I was 20. Wow. So when she died, like that came with grief that I can't even like, you know, you, you just can't explain it unless you go through it. Yeah. Um, But I work in palliative care every day and it doesn't drain me. It doesn't like take away my my power. It actually makes me feel stronger to know like doesn't I have no idea what any of these people are going through because they're not like my people. But I know to give them the space and I know, you know, if my nurses come back from a call where they've been with a family all day and they died, all I can do is bring them like tea and cookies and let them like vent. I can do that. So I just feel that 
every place that I go, I just kind of bring what my experience is and it seems to be working for me. Like I've never talked about mental health. I've never done like this kind of stuff. And then you came in my life all of a sudden and then you're doing a podcast and I'm like, I have PPD. I want to come chat. <laughs> like, I just feel that I have this voice now that I, I didn't know I had for a long time, but I didn't have the language either. Like until I really did the work on myself. Like doctor, you know, doctors can tell you whatever they want and they can give you the medications. But unless you sit with it and you're like, OK, <laughs> where is this coming from and how am I going to make it positive for me? Like that takes you. That's only you can do it. Wow. I have a I have a question about um, BPD again. Yeah. Ask as many as you'd like. OK, because I don't know very much about it. And you were saying that like you have your different versions of yourself yeah does that like what happens when okay i have a couple questions ask as many as you want um first of all when you go from like your job to school is it like a switch yeah like Like you don't sometimes you don't notice it but like at school i'd be this outgoing like i'd have to get up in front of the class and teach lectures and that kind of stuff and then at work I worked in a merge then, so I was this very small person because all the doctors and nurses and patients come before you. I'm just the person in the back restocking stuff. So, like, work grace was very small and very, like, docile, really nice and friendly all the time and never had anything wrong, where school grace was, like, bigger and, you know, if somebody told me I didn't know my shit, I knew my shit because that's who I was uh, some of my masters and cl- master classes were like split with undergrads so I had to do a lot of teaching and a lot of mentoring so I'd go from one to the other and I'd be so tired probably at work because of all that energy giving it out mm-hmm. and then eventually my energy just petered out and then I became the student in the back of the class so I was like okay I'm quiet now like and but and so you wouldn't recognize when the switch not really but you, but you would remember everything that happened from, like, work. Sometimes. It depends on how, like, emotional you'd be. Like, say I got in a really big fight with somebody. I might not really, under, like, remember that we had a fight, but not remember the language that was used. Or um, I remember I'd, if I'd get along to a lot of texting kind of confrontations, and then you'd save them and you'd reread them over and over and over and over and over again to, like, what would I change? Or you can't believe you said that, like... You know, just stuff that weren't in line with your values. Okay. And then what would happen if, like, two of your worlds collided? There's so much anxiety or you just shut down. So, like, say I'd had a birthday party. and Some of my work friends came. Some of my, like, you know, I worked at Zellers when I was going to school, too, uh, before the hospital. So some of those people would come. And it was, they'd always say to me, like, we don't know this version. Like, they just didn't recognize my demeanor. And I didn't really realize at the time that that was what was happening. Wow. Yeah. See, I like I didn't I didn't know any of that. My mom would tell me as a kid, you know, you go from one to the other so quick. Like, I don't get it, you know, and I didn't get it either. Like how I'd how I'd flip the switch like you'd feel so good one minute. So say when you're when I was 16 I remember having a big meltdown because I was allowed to drive in the car you know wherever I after I got my license and then one day no you couldn't drive the car well my world ended I had I remember I was crying so hard that a friend of mine came he was at the house and he came to hug me and I just hit him like incessantly until he like and he didn't care 
I don't know why at the time he he just wasn't scared of that or whatever, but he tried to hug me and I just keep hitting him. I don't hit people like that is not me. But in that state, I had no control over how I was. So so part of it is a lack of control. Yeah, it's just like it's a yeah dysregulation of emotion. So the same way when you're in depression and you just like there's nothing you can do to shake it. Right. Yeah. Some people suffer mania where they're just so impulsive. You know, it's just whatever, whatever their body needs. That's why people get in addictions and stuff because they just need something to cope. Right. I didn't have substance abuse at that point. I didn't. I just knew that I'd flip. So it came out in anger. And, you know, it was a lot of crying, a lot of tears, a lot of um, I hit my dad once and we got in a fight um, on the stairs. I was going to run away from home like, yeah, I was just like and then that would happen. And then five minutes later, I'd be like, I'm hungry. (laughs) Like that. It was crazy stuff like that, like all through my preteen, teen years, early 20s. And then realized, oh, crap, that's not how that's supposed to work. Okay. Yeah. And then, so then with like the emotions like flipping and switching, mm-hmm. would that happen to each version of yourself as well? Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, it depends on the situation. So if I was at school and say a teacher, um, I had a teacher who would not single me out, but kind of use me as much because she had known me from my undergrad. Okay. And I got to the point where I was like, lady, you can't, like, I can't do your job for you. And I get so frustrated and I knew what the proper thing to do was. It was to pull her outside, have the conversation or wait till after class. And I couldn't. I'd just be like, dude, I can't do this. And I'd walk out like that's not reasonable. I'm like in a professional program. I'm, you know, have all these people that I'm mentoring and talking to all the time. And there was another situation. I was in school. Um, There was another girl whose grandmother had died. And her teacher, who wasn't from Canada, was being really hard on her because that's that was her culture. And I remember I, I was like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. We're having tea and whatever. And she told me and I instantly pulled her out of the classroom. And it was the first time I've ever been aggressive with a teacher. I was like, you can't do that. That's not OK. And wow. like, I don't that wasn't about me. Like, I don't know why I got like evident like it wasn't OK. And I totally it was okay to get angry about the situation, but it's not okay to be confrontational, especially not with somebody who's in a, a you know an authoritative position, somebody you respect. Like this person was teaching me every day, right? Okay. So it was it just created some like issues that I could have avoided just by recognizing to give myself some space. Like when you were talking about you know so frustrated with your kids. I know that a few years ago I would have been screaming (laughs) because that's the only way I knew how to deal. Like you were frustrated, you yelled. And that's what I grew up with. But now I know, oh, there's the space where you can offer yourself some grace and be my name, Um, but (laughs) offer yourself that space to be like, I just need to like calm down. And it's not their fault that I've got all this extra aggression right now. It's because life is crazy. Or the situation is unfair and it really pisses me off. Like you're allowed to be pissed off. It doesn't mean you get to yell at other people. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is like, it sounds like you've just, you've done so well to do incredible work on yourself and be able to recognize all these things. And I like just in the short time that we've been sitting in here, it's like, I've learned a lot. 
and like you've been able to bring things out from such a fresh point of view that it's like relearning something that I've already known and that's cool I'm glad I could do that but yeah it's the best thing you can do is take care of yourself first and when you do that the rest comes easier I love that so then okay one one question I love to ask everybody Mm -hmm. is what does it look to you to be mentally healthy that's a really hard one Ruth (laughs) mentally healthy um for me now, it's just to be aware and to to be aware and to know that there's some balance in my life because you can't be like you're going to be upset. You're going to be angry. You're going to be happy. You're going to be exa- exhausted. All of those things come with being a human. If you weren't feeling those things, you're not living life. But knowing that I'm not all sad all the time I'm not all happy all the time I'm not all angry all the time I'm not exhausted all the time Um, those things come in waves now like ebbs and flows and that's how I know I'm healthy so that's I guess for me that's that's how I judge my mental health and how I feel to be healthy and I think that if I felt any of those things for like longer periods of time then I'd be like hey I need some support I love I love how um, how you are so quick to be like, hey, okay, I have my support system. I'm recognizing that these certain symptoms are here longer than they than they should be, and so now it's like, okay, you, I know that you want to help me, so this is how you can help me. And but I, I spent so six years of figuring that out, like concentrated years of, like I said, psychotherapy and working with people because I didn't have the language. Like I didn't start this until this journey about my mental health till I was 22. But during the time I was 22 till now, I feel like, you know, I got books. I did journaling. I talked to people about my mental health. I went to group once a month, every month for, you know, that long. And if you it's, it's like anything else. If you don't work out, you can't expect the results. I've just put, I knew that I had to put the work into my mental health to, cause, to get better. So. That's incredible. There we go. There we go. That was awesome. That was really awesome. Thank you. Like, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I think that the work you're doing to, de- it's not just about stigma anymore. It's really just about being vulnerable with people. And you're doing that in a way that's so awesome, so healthy, so unique. And I think that people are going to really, like, be called to that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's an honor. Like, it's an honor sitting here in my closet with you. (laughs) I love your closet. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's cluttered and not organized at all but everyone turns into a, a fan of my closet awesome. <laughs> it turns into a magical place <laughs> i love it all right and to everybody out there listening thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this and um actually do you want to leave a handle for people to follow you on social media i wish or? i don't have i just have my own personal account right now but thank you oh, yeah. <laughs> No problem. Maybe one day I'll work on that. Eh, that sounds good. <laughs> Let me know and then I'll just throw it out there. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Cool. And you can find me, follow me at Optimistically Depressed. And if you have like any questions or any thoughts, 
please share them with me because that's part of what we really want to do. Just create a community where we can talk about all of these things. And just remember that wherever you are, I am just sitting here loving you. Have a great night, morning, afternoon, evening, and I will be talking to you again soon. Bye.